Let's give you a bit of a double shot here. Gord Perk, city councilor, Brad Bradford, city councilor. What do they think of Toronto's budget process? What do they like? What do they dislike? We begin with Gord Perks, and he actually thinks the city has got it right when it comes to the property tax and the amount. Gord, it's always great to have you on Toronto today. Thanks for making the time. Morning, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Totally. Do you? What do you like about the budget? What do you look at and say, this strikes the right note, this is the right amount, it goes to the right place, what would it be? Oh, geez. Well, you know, <laughs> this will probably blow your mind. I actually think the property tax increase, we got it right this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For years and years, we've been falling behind other municipalities and falling behind on our services. I mean, you notice it, right? Like the, the, the potholes don't get fixed in as well. The garbage bins don't get cleaned up. Uh, if you call 311, it takes longer to get an answer. Things have been getting worse and worse. And uh, that's because we've kept property taxes artificially low for a long time. Why did we? Uh, to give somebody a good election campaign platform. <laughs> Honestly, nothing else. Did you, so when you went around this fall, and I'm sure you have very honest conversations with people on doorsteps and, and even at kitchen tables, Gord, you've done this quite a while. Do people say to you, I would pay more, but I want more coming back. I'm happy, I'm, I, and I'm in a position of, 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 of the ability to pay more property tax. But to your point, I want garbage, water, 311, uh, st- you know, street lamps repaired, potholes repaired, gra- roads like paved over. occasional bus came along, right? That would be nice. Yeah. Who doesn't mind yeah. an occasional yeah, yeah, bus? Yeah, yeah. Sure. No, no, folks, folks um, are very, very straightforward with me. They say, listen, I'll pay more, but I want to see something for it. And that's where the bad news in this budget is. Um, we, are, we are not going to see things getting better. We already know that you're going to pay more to ride transit and get less service. And there's a shoe that's going to drop on the rest of the services pretty soon, which is we're counting on the federal and provincial government to just hand us a billion and a half to $2 billion in order to make this budget work. Gord Perks is our guest. We're going to get it all. Well, I I wanted to bring that up because um, I have it decently sourced that the federal government um, isn't really happy with um, the mayor right now, wasn't happy with what happened with the, the strong mayor issues. And there's many, even, you know, 416 liberal MPs, whether they're rookies or whether they've been at this uh, four or five terms, who just aren't terribly motivated right now to bail the city out. Do you think that's accurate? I think that we're going to struggle. I, I think that uh, we will probably get some of what we need, like we've already got one commitment loosely out of the province to help us with mm-hmm. the, this development charge thing from there that came out of their Bill 124. But I think the, that the well is getting dry. Like they've helped a few years in the past. And the concern is the budget pretends the money's already here. So when that money doesn't show up, then, you know, you're, you're going to see way more litter on the streets. You're going to wait longer for that bus. Uh, you know, all the services you depend on that have been getting a little worse and a little worse, they're going to get a lot worse. Well, I'll read you something David Ryder wrote in the Star. The city has a reserve fund earmarked to cover the budget gap if no provincial or federal bailouts come this year. And we're just talking about how the latter may be um, harder to come by than originally thought. 
back to what he wrote. If the city faces a similar shortfall next year and that reserve is gone, one option is property taxes that would rise a whopping 24%. I think it's important for Torontonians to recognize this may not just be, you know, a one-time injection of pain here. This could happen again. Yeah. So off the top, I was saying that we didn't increase taxes for years and years and years. This is the consequence. We have built up what we call a structural deficit, where the cost of providing the services you're used to are bigger than our tax haul. And we've been hiding it through a bunch of, you know, things like draining reserves and putting things off for a little while. And now it's come home. Now it's come home in a big way where we are going to either this year or next year, but it's not going to be far into the future. We're going to have to look at some major changes. They're either going to be very new, very big property tax or other tax increases or massive service cuts. We're at that, we're, we're at that point now. And uh, I think the mayor needs to be more honest with us about that. Police, I looked at it over the weekend, and I, I don't think it's quite accurate. I know some people have said there's no study that proves more cops equals less crime. Um, but there's nothing definitive about it. And I, I think that's an important distinction to make. And, and, and I, I disagree with you there, Greg. There, there have been studies where which have shown that if you if you take police away in the last two years, violent crime has risen in many American cities, many I, Chicago, Denver, um, Washington, D.C. as well. There may be some correlation, but there's no causation. All of the all of the research including the, probably the best study ever on crime prevention was done here in Ontario uh, by Alvin Curling, Roy McMurtry on behalf of the province of Ontario. It's called the Roots of Violence. And it showed definitively adding more police does not stop kids from joining gangs. Doesn't do that. Not at all. What does stop kids from joining gangs is making sure they've got enough to eat in the morning when they're, you know, like they got a breakfast program at school, that their teachers look like them and know their community, that we're, they've got after-school programs. Those things prevent kids from joining gangs. If we also, you know, if you're concerned about uh, people who are homeless and maybe they, they're, they're frightening you, when hiring a police officer doesn't create a unit for that person to live in. So, no, Greg, I got to take issue with you there. Well, you can. And and at the same time, I would make the point that there is sort of a I don't psychosomatic may not be the right word, but there is an if someone feels safe in a community, they would define themselves as safe. And, you know, and I know some of the hardest hit communities by crime have some of the loudest people going. I want more patrols here. I want my kid to be able to walk to school safely. I want my I want my uh, aging parents to feel comfortable walking my kids to school on a regular basis. The 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 the, the cities, sorry, yeah. the the suburbs where the, some of the biggest biggest crime rates are are the people that want are raising their hands saying you got to help us. A lot of the people live in safe neighborhoods who are like, oh, we don't need more police, but your neighborhoods are safe safer than somebody who says that they do. Well, no, I'll, I'll give you that. That it's also important that people feel safe, and and yeah. absolutely, you know what? So, a, a a question I get from some people is, listen, there is there are some people on the subway and on the bus now that didn't, you know, that are that are clearly mm. in distress. I don't have the skills to handle those people. I'm also, you know, TTC workers are saying. At the end of the day, at the end of the shift, we take the bus into the garage and there's some homeless guys on it who won't get off. 
And, and none, all of us, all of us would feel safer if, and including those guys, if they had homes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the investment needs to be made. We got to very quickly increase the, the shelter and what we call respite programs where you can drop in during the day. Like we got to do that immediately. So those guys have somewhere to go and then we've got to do the work. And this is where the federal government really does have to step up to create even more housing than we've been creating for, for people who are struggling. Yeah. And I've seen it uh, again. I'll bring up the states all over the states, whether it's building tiny homes, whether it's built it, it, that is working and it's saving money in the long term. It's an investment in people's future. Yeah. And if we're going to make the case, hey, clean, clean drinking water is a human right. Food's a human right. Having a roof over over one's head, no matter how small, um, we can't. I don't think we can legislate equality, but we can give everybody uh, a baseline of of equality to begin and venture out and and see what they can make of themselves. We're not doing that yeah. right now. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll tell you, um, if you if you think about it, giving someone like uh, you know uh, an apartment lease uh, and and a social worker who can help them get stable, get their ID together make sure they're making rent, all that mm-hmm. stuff um, is so much cheaper than a shelter bed. It is cheaper than a jail cell. And you know where else? It is cheaper than an emergency room, which is where a lot of folks are winding up now. Yeah. Um, so, so we spend less and get more if we're investing in housing instead of just putting a, an extra transit constable on that bus. I only got 30 seconds. I don't want to make us too late, but I mentioned this. This is a budget proposal. How much of this do you think there will be some give and take with city council about what was proposed yesterday? Uh, we all, we always see a few small moves to try to, you know, we propose a budget. Well, this time the mayor proposes a budget. We listen to the public and make mm-hmm. small moves. So that'll still happen. Uh, it's going to be fast because it's, it's an election year budget, so we have to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there'll be some small moves. Gord, thanks so much for the time. Always appreciate our conversations. Take care, Greg. Bye. Gord Perks joining us uh, from uh, City Council. All right. Uh, our next guest uh, is City Council in Ward 19, Beaches East York. Not many on council have the background in urban planning. This is a big reason why he's been deputized to handle a lot of the new housing in the city. He is City Councilor Brad Bradford. Brad, does does uh, does Gord Perks have a point? Um, he actually agreed that a property tax was long overdue. The only thing he said is he wishes it had been more incremental and sooner in the previous seven years. Is that a fair statement? Well, you know, that would be Gord Perks' perspective. Uh, I'm not one that necessarily believes that uh, throwing more money at a problem is the only way to solve it. But there's no doubt uh, it's an extremely challenging year for us at the City of Toronto with our budget. And it's a very challenging time for all people, all Torontonians. You know, you can just go to the grocery store, the gas pump, you can see things are less affordable. The cost of living is increasing. It's tighter for families. And very much the same case at the city. Our costs are increasing. Our dollars don't go as far as they used to, uh, even 12 months ago. So we're facing record inflation. We're still dealing with that COVID hangover, and, and none of that stuff is ideal. So it is a tough budget year. The the tax increase is you know not pleasant for a lot of folks. I've heard about that. Uh, I think people are really feeling the crunch. And, and this is another thing that we're all having to deal with right now. I would never say that anybody looking for re-election should be banging on doors and, and meeting with constituents promising to raise their property taxes. But you, did you have a sense in September and October and say, I, I look at the numbers, I, I crunch them, I don't see a way around it for 2023. I'm sure constituents said, won't we need to pay more if we're missing this much money? 
Yeah, I think as unpleasant as this is, uh, it's not a surprise for a lot of folks. You're dealing with your own household finances and you see those cost escalations. You know, our cost of borrowing money, the cost of financing has gone up tremendously. The cost of materials, those those potholes that Gord Perch is talking about that mm-hmm. need to be filled, the construction that needs to be undertaken. We've had a 30% cost escalation on many of those things. And, and so you see that in our capital budget. You see the escalation in costs with our operating. Fuel prices are through the roof. And, and when you're dealing with a city the size and scale of Toronto, um, it's, it's exponential cost increases. We have been working very hard to find offsets, to find efficiencies. We do that every year, uh, but it's never enough. And so now it's manifesting with that, uh, that task, tax increase that's coming forward in the mayor's budget here. Um, but at the same mm. time, I think at this moment, and you can appreciate this, Greg, just mm. how important it is to protect those frontline services that so many Torontonians depend on. So it's a balancing act. Uh, you know, we're trying trying our best. We can't be cutting the services that people rely on. But at the same time, we have to be sensitive to the financial pressures facing so many families right now. Brad Bradford's our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Um, the numbers, as dictated, show the city is spending 14.7% on transit. It's 7.8% of their revenue. You don't need to match it up exactly, but you need those numbers to get closer together than they currently are. I don't even know how to predict whether that's going to happen or not, but... It's essential. There's going to be more tax increases if you can't get transit uh, to a more equitable line. That's right. And transit has always been a challenge for the city of Toronto and other municipalities. And I know you have a very much a GTA listenership here. Mm -hmm. And and these challenges are coming in other municipalities, too. Look, for a long time, uh, we have provided major subsidy to transit operations here in the TTC. And let me remind you that Toronto provides 20% of the GDP for the entire country. We are a regional destination. You were talking about the improvements that we all enjoy at Union Station. We are a commuter destination. And so folks come in, they ride our transit, and the city spends nearly, you know, almost a billion dollars in subsidizing that operating costs. And at the same time, we still have the largest percentage of our operating revenue that comes from the fare box. So the question is, with that subsidy from the city and those uh, that the uh, the fare box revenue that comes from our customers, why is there such a big gap? And the answer is, we don't get a nickel from provincial or federal governments when it comes to operating. And if you look at our peer cities across the U.S., there is no city the size or scale of Toronto that does not get operating dollars from the state or federal government. And it's time for a new deal for transit. It's time for a new deal for cities. And we need to make sure that we can recoup some of the growth that our economy has experienced and put that towards the services uh, that folks in Toronto are depending on. Well, you make a great point because we often try and compare ourselves to, and and, and we should, we should aim high, compare ourselves to some great U.S. cities. Chicago is probably the most apt comparison because it sits on Lake Michigan. We sit on Lake Ontario. But the one thing about Chicago, Brad, and you know this, but I want to make sure our listeners do, Chicago can kind of call its own shots. You don't have the You don't have the governor of Illinois or the state coming in limiting progress or limiting decision makings. And and John Tory's made this case. I would make the case, Rob, the late Rob Ford and David Miller made this case. The province is very much um, an influence, good, bad, or indifferent in terms of all that Toronto can do or even what it can't do. You know, since Confederation, more than 150 years, we've had the same you know, largely the same legislative authorities uh, for municipalities, which we are now acutely aware are a creature of the province. 
And yet the way that the economy has grown, the way services are delivered and the prominent role of local government, the impact it has in your lives and our listeners' lives uh, is so significant. And yet we we are still dealing with very much the same revenue tools uh, and jurisdictional authority as, as we've had for 150 years. So this financial challenge, this difficult budget year, everything we're going through right now really exacerbates those underlying systemic challenges in our relationships with other levels of government. And, you know, Mayor Tory has been out doing that advocacy work, making the case with the federal and the provincial government to the province's credit. They've stepped up and come through in, in, in a lot of ways here. Uh, but but we still need the federal government to, to join us in that effort. And, you know, Canada's economic growth comes through Toronto. It comes through the GTA mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we don't have strong cities, we don't have a strong country. And that relationship really needs to be reexamined. The other levels of government need to recognize that. And we need more autonomy and more tools that are growth oriented for Canadian cities and especially Toronto. I got about a minute here, but I I know it seems like a long term project. I'm not sure it is when it comes to infrastructure, but even our World Cup bid to to host games, um, the city has to get provincial and federal governments to pick up some of the money to cost. The estimate was $180 million. I think you know and I know and everybody listening knows it probably won't be held to $180 million. Some might say, gee, should we be even in on something like this knowing what we're facing? Um, how do you respond to that? I want the games here. I love, you know I love soccer. I want the games here. But I also know there's an economic reality to hosting them as well. Yeah, and and you know what? We need to understand that economic reality a little bit more. Um, you know, I'm not an expert on this, but my understanding is these events have a lot of economic spinoff. Um, but then you have to you have to understand where is that money going? Where is that revenue going? Certainly, it puts Canada on a global stage. There's going to be a lot of investment, advertising revenue, dollars, hotel nights, uh, food and beverage, all of that stuff coming in. But who benefits from that? Our local businesses benefit from that. That's really important. I think our citizens benefit from that too. But again, not having the ability to have you know revenue collected from economic growth as a city. We have a regressive mm-hmm. property tax base and that's about it. Not having access to that makes it very challenging for the city to participate in that growth. And so, you know, I think there's a case there certainly for the federal and provincial governments to get in on it, you know, and if they're in, you know, we can join them. But the city of Toronto cannot keep carrying the bag uh, for these other levels of government. And too often they're making decisions and, and, you know, we're picking up the tab and that's got to stop. No, you nailed it. They can. And and this big event, uh, it's five games. um, It's about 60 million dollars. We can't we can't pay that. It doesn't matter how good the teams are. It doesn't matter how much fun you have in the stands. We can't host this event on our own. We need the federal and provincial governments to uh, to help out, amongst other things. Let's keep this conversation going as uh, as we get closer to finalizing the budget. Brad, I appreciate you coming on this morning. Always a pleasure. See you soon. Brad Bradford joining us from Ward 19 Beaches, East York.